Welcome to the Blackout Podcast where I get to talk to amazing people who do amazing things. This one has been like three years, four years, three years in the making because we planned it before the pandemic actually and then the pandemic happened and it's been like... Wow, has it been three years already? Yeah, oh yeah, it was before, it was before. But anyway, my friend, graduate student of clinical psychology, are you going to do your PhD? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> anyway, my friend Normie Bergeron, thanks for coming to the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Okay, so first off, like, why clinical psychology? Wow, you're getting right in the thick of it. Yeah, eh? let's just... <laughs> um, wow, okay. So I... How do I explain that without having to tell you my whole life story? <laughs> <laughs> but um, when I was in my undergrad... I, it took me many paths to land on psychology. First of all, I had a college degree in film. <laughs> what? Yeah. So I had no idea that I would end up on this path. And I also really liked teaching. There was there was always something that um, in, in different profession, I wanted to, uh, to be a dancer. Like there were so many things that I wanted to be. But um, then I went to, uh, I did my undergrad in, in psychology. And as I was, starting to do it and learning about psych, I just became really, really, really passionate about it. And learning was just like so easy. And somebody's gonna hate you for saying that. <laughs> it's just because I had a lot of passion. So right. I didn't mind spending the hours on on readings and, and doing the assignments and participating in class because I just really loved the subject. Mm -hmm. And um, I was as I've always also been really curious. And there's a whole like scientific method to to psychology and psychology research. So then I became really interested in research and I was really interested in, in the brain and brain behavior relationships. Why do humans hack, act the way that we act and how is that related to how the brain functions? Mm -hmm. And I had a, a, a lot of really cool research opportunities in my undergrad. And yeah, and then I decided that that's what I wanted to do. What so. are some of the research you did? Um, so I did a couple of, you know, directed studies with professors, but I think the most meaningful project that I did was in my last year, I was admitted to the honors program and I really wanted to do something for, um, black mental health because at that time, so it was a, I did my undergrad from 2019 to 2021. Mm. <laughs> so there was not a lot of research that existed out there and, for me, that was, I couldn't conceptualize how there was no research in Canada about, you know, black mental health. Um, or the research that there was was really, really thin. There was not a lot. Um, so I, I wanted to contribute. I wanted to, to do something in that. And I was really lucky that I had a really amazing supervisor who really um, supported that and, and guided me more on like the scientific side of things. But that really let me explore what I wanted to explore and that ended up becoming a real blessing because the research kept growing and growing and growing and it's still going on to this day. Mm. Um, just last fall, we submitted a manuscript to get published in, in a journal for that same project that I started three years ago when we met. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that was really cool. Um, 
and holy shit well i guess do, is that you kind of have to it has to have a title right what is the title of your thing gonna be uh oh, it's a long title oh yeah yeah what <laughs> always long though they'll have a thing then colon <laughs> then this thing i know i know i know it's like the title colon the rest of the title yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> But um, it's it's about, I can't tell you what it's about. Maybe that'll be clearer. But we looked at how racial stress, as self-reported by people, affects um, cognitive functioning and hmm. how time spent in Canada and uh, racial socialization strategies come and, and modify that relationship. Wow. Yeah. It's, uh, man, that's a lot, though, because, like, so first of all, you have to find the people. Yeah. You have to have this list of questions. I have to have yeah. to answer and stuff. And then you use that data to map. All, oh, my God. That's hard. Yeah. The recruitment part was really, really hard. Yeah, right. Because where do you find black people that are willing to talk about their mental health? Exactly. And how it's, how did you achieve that? Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I completely failed at that. Because, well, when, oh, no. when the project started running, COVID hit. Right. And um, my project was a was like a, a neurotechnology project. So I don't know if you've ever seen like the cap that people put on their head and there's a bunch of wires. Mm -hmm. um, so you need to be really close from the person to be able to do that. And so the project was kind of put on hold. And then there was a lot of administrative barriers to getting people inside of the lab. But then the, the whole other layer of that is is the historical mistrust that exists between the black community and any institutions, academic mm -hmm. institutions, healthcare and all of that. Um, and rightfully so. Yeah, <laughs> rightfully I mean, because so. I remember one of the things that came up during the COVID time was like how black people were being experimented on. Exactly, and, yeah. exactly. So, so it was really difficult, but um, I think I was able once they saw my face, like, I could tell the immediate, like, relief oh. of, like, okay, it's not like a white person that's going to look at my brain, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but even with that, like, we, we had, we struggled to to recruit people. And so what we ended up doing is is we did a little bit more of the research and, and looking, like, widening, widening the the spectrum of, of racialized minorities. Mm. Um, and, yeah, doing some research to, to see, you know, how we could modify the project or how that could still fit within the scope of what we were doing. And the reality of things is that if you are racialized in Canada, you're going to experience racial stress mm. um, differentially, right? Because people are different communities and people within a, a given community are also different, mm. but you will experience racial stress. And so we agreed that we would widen that, that scope. So it became larger than just black mental health and it became just like BIPOC mm -hmm. mental health. Um, but we still have like 16% of our sample who are black people, which is, you know, pretty large yeah, for mean, a research study. I, you know, I have friends that are like, yeah, frick, I'm going to go and tell someone. Which I think, you know, sometimes I understand where they are coming from because I'm going to go and pay someone, I don't know, two, whatever hundreds of dollars mm -hmm. for an hour. And then I'll tell this person all my life issues and stuff. It's, you know, wrapping my mind. Why should people go to therapy? Well, um, I don't think people should or shouldn't go to therapy. It's mm -hmm. really like a, a personal decision. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say I have gone to therapy myself and it's been very helpful. 
And I think there's a huge myth around what therapy is in the first place. Um, people think they're just going to go there and like vent and have somebody to listen to. And that's really not what this is. No, it's not. It's not at all. <laughs> like the, I always tell people who are a little antsy about going to therapy that your therapist is always going to be in your corner. They're there to help you and they're always going to root for you and make sure that you succeed. Mm. That's like at the core. We entered this profession because we want to help, right? Mm. Not because we're sitting there and judging. Like That would not be a really good therapist. But the other thing is that going to therapy is like going to school for yourself. So there's going to be work to be done. There's going to be homework and, and efforts that are going to have to be put in so you can acquire the skills to be able to, after that, go out in the world and, and just deal with whatever is thrown your way on your own, mm. right? You're not meant to be in therapy for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. You're meant to go get to go there, get the tools, and then go, go out. Go and do the thing. Yeah. But, like, I guess, should something drastic or, tr like, okay, maybe not should, but what are some reasons, yeah, yeah, what are some reasons why someone should consider going to their therapist? Well, if you get to a point that you feel like you can't, cope on your own that's a pretty good sign but mm. you don't always need to go to therapy for when you're in a crisis or like reactively mm -hmm. I mean um, you can go to therapy preventively go and, and get some some coping tools so then when hard things happen you're able to cope mm. um, yeah there's not there's not a single event that that would suggest that you should go to therapy right now. I just did this thing go. Okay. Yeah. Um and, and I remember we talked to you about about this a while back, but there's a therapist and a psychologist and they're two different things. Yeah. So anybody can call themselves a therapist. There's, what? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Like you could like you could be an art therapist, you could be a music therapist, you could be like whatever you want. Okay, I'm it, a podcast therapist. There you go. There you go, slap that on your bio on Instagram. <laughs> okay, so yeah, psychologist. Yes. Yeah, so, psychologist is a legally protected title, so you need to go to school and complete a certain program, meet certain requirements, and then be part of the psychologist board to be able mm. to to practice psychology as a psychologist. Um, whereas, where does it, yeah, yeah, therapists, it could be really like psychologists are therapists because we do therapy, but we do other things, right? Um, but there's so, so many different mental health fields and they all have their specific requirements and their specific titles that are um, like related to them that only them can use. Mm. But anybody that does therapy, I guess, could technically call themselves a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why it's like so hard to navigate when right. you're a client and you go there and you're trying to figure out, okay, I need some mental health support. But I, like there, there's a psychotherapist there, there's a counselor there, there's a social worker there, there's a psychologist there. Like, who do I pick? Mm. I just want therapy. Well, they're all therapists. <laughs> right, right. Right. But you want to go to a psychologist. Not always. It depends really on what your concern, your concern is. What are like, criteria one should look at when they want to pick a, I don't know, therapist? There's a lot of things that go into it. Again, like it's a very personal decision and um, sometimes it depends on what your insurance covers. Oh, uh, right. You know, like your right, insurance right. policy. Unfortunately, mental health care is not part of the provincial system, which I think it should, but, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, conversation yeah. maybe for another day. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, so maybe your insurance coverage or are your specific concerns. For example, if you need like a 
learning assessment for school or psychoeducational assessment to see if you have a learning disorder or learning disability. Only psychologists can do that. Oh. So you would have to go to, to a psychologist to get the full testing done and right. the full report. Um, if it was like really severe mental health, maybe a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I know some really good social workers who are like clinical social workers who are also doing some really good work in that area. There's a lot of really good social workers also that are doing like trauma work. Um, you can also go see a psychologist for this. I, I'm not too familiar with the counseling profession. I'm not sure what their, you know, academic path is. I should really look into that, actually. <laughs> now that we're talking about so, it, it's good to have a work what, what is the, I'm like, I don't know. I didn't even know you did film, but we'll get back to that. Uh, so film, you, what is the, I guess, stages or the, the levels? Like, so I finished my undergraduate, then what, then what, then what, to become a psychologist? Yeah, so in Nova Scotia, we're lucky in some way, I guess, <laughs> that you can become a psychologist with a master's path. There's a lot of advantages and disadvantages to this. The master's is extremely intense. Um, in my cohort, none of us finished in two years, which it is a 24-month program, but none of us were able to finish in two years. It's There's too many things to learn. Oh. Yeah, you have all of your... So the way that a master's or graduate program is usually structured is that you either have like a course-based master's where you, you do courses like you did in your undergrad but at an advanced level and do projects and maybe you're going to write like a literature review or something mm -hmm. and then you have programs that are thesis based uh, programs or you're go going to take some courses but you're mostly being trained as a researcher scientist mm -hmm. so you will do a lot of research project and and do a thesis project and then you have clinical psychology which is both <laughs> so we, we both have courses professional courses were amazing, trained amazing. to become a psychologist and also were also trained as researchers and right. had a thesis to complete but we have the same time to do that oh we have two years flip okay yeah so it's really intense it's really difficult and you know the the, the there's a there's a discussion about moving the entry-level requirement to a doctorate to give us as students, more time to be trained and feel more prepared to enter the field. And so the PhD thing is still going to happen after all? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but you could, in psychology, you can go the, the PsyD route, which is a doctorate of psychology, which is a professional doctorate. So it's not as long as a PhD because you don't, the research is not as extensive. Like you don't do as much research. And a PhD route, which is a doctorate of philosophy and psychology that is really long <laughs> but they're really good researchers like they're trained really extensively in research and in clinical practice right that's yeah. too much books for my brain <laughs> <laughs> yeah you have to have passion <laughs> l let's talk about the film thing why did you decide to study film and dancing yeah i was so i was recently diagnosed with adhd ah <laughs> so that's why i think i had a really hard time to pick one thing because I was interested in so many things and I wanted to try everything mm -hmm. and I was a dancer as a kid so I was like oh maybe I could be a dancer but I was also really into theater so I was like okay but maybe I could get in theater but I was also really into like um you know fitness and teaching and I just couldn't pick one but I was really I was a really artistic kid like I really loved the arts 
And for me, film was like the one medium that you could combine all of the art in it. So I was like, let me try that. And I also really liked directing. Like I had directed a couple of things in in high school, like small, tiny things. But that was really interesting. So I I went to college or CJEP in Quebec in film. And I did that. And it was a good time. But then I got to university in film. And I sat in this massive auditorium at the University of Montreal there was, I want to say it was like 300 kids in that auditorium, in that history of film class. And I was just looking around and the industry, the film industry in Quebec is extremely small and everybody's fighting for funding. Right. I think that's the case for all arts, but like it's amplified in Quebec because it's so small. And I was just looking around. I'm like, you mean that all of these people <laughs> are my competition? <laughs> like, I, and I was looking at my friend that I went to CJEP with at, that we went to university together and I just didn't have the same passion for films Uh, that they did. I was like, you know what? This is really not worth it. This is not what I want to do. So I dropped out and I never looked back. Well, I mean, you found this thing that you love now. So what, I guess what's, what's left for you to do? Yeah. So I'm almost done my master's. I just have to defend it. So that, that's So yeah. Yeah. So you write this. What do you mean defend it? I know. <laughs> I know, fuck? I know, I know. Okay, let me tell you. So you do this huge research project that takes like a year, year and a half, right? Mm-hmm. Then you write this huge paper, like mine is at like 150 pages at this point. And then you send that paper to a bunch of other people, academics who mm-hmm. are experts. They read it. And then you go and you present it in front of them. And then they grill you with questions for an hour and a half to make sure that you... On your 150 pages? Yeah. Well, on the, well, su- on the everything. subject. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, to make sure that you're an expert in the subject that you wrote about. And then if you answer all of these questions, you know, successfully based on your research and your working knowledge of the literature, then you pass. So they, they now have to understand everything you write. They don't have to understand everything. Um... Like How I'm, are they going to, like, rate me if they don't know what I'm talking about then? Yeah, it depends, because you have many people on your uh, defense committee. Right. So they, they, Each they have, person has, yeah. a, like, a, oh, I'm going to take the first 10 pages. You take the first 20 pages. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's what they yeah, do, yeah, but, yeah, like... Yeah, yeah, but they have different areas of expertise, right, so they right. will ask questions. You are the brain person, and you are the... Yes. Gotcha. You got it. So they will, they would ask questions about the brain, and maybe somebody is going to ask questions about the statistics or the, mm. the, the analysis. But now... And they all unanimously have to decide that you pass all fail. Yeah. <laughs> four people, do you think? I think I have four people on my committee, yes. Oh, my God. So it, it has to be, so it's like a presentation. I hate presentations. You though. do? Oh, my God. But look at you. That's I'm what not, you're doing. <laughs> I'm like, this is my little sanctuary. I build this thing. But like when you put me outside, I'm like, oh, God, I have to do this. Okay, so. But again, you have done all the work on this thing so when i once it's done then what and they're like yeah, yeah you pass no me then what yeah then i i graduate or i get like a uh i actually don't know how it's called but they essentially put on my file that i've met all the requirements for graduation for this program and then i can go and apply to the nova scotia board of examiners in psychology to become registered with them um and then once I'm registered with them, I can start practicing. Oh, but then I, I just found it out the other day because, you know, there are not many black uh, 
nope. psychologist. Um, so anyway, this lady, um, person was like, even when you're done, you kind of have to be like, I don't want to say chaperoned, but in a yeah. way. Yeah, so that yeah. you have to go and like kind of walk under someone and stuff, yeah. and they have to like check. Oh, you did the right thing. Or, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, it's called supervision. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So I have to be supervised, but I, I'm really lucky with who I have as a supervisor. Really, really, really lucky and blessed. And oh, so you even have this, the, thank you. <laughs> so you even have the thing kind of ready before you. Yeah, yeah. You're, oh. yeah no, I'm ready to go. Yeah, I, I have a supervisor, and um, yeah, the the check on you but it's really for for you to continue learning and and growing as you enter practice and mm. for me it feels really reassuring to have somebody that's mm. gonna still kind of hold my hand do you have to have like i guess you know i only deal with trauma i only deal yeah. with you know yeah so you have to declare what they call an area of competence um, what is yours gonna be so i'm i'm pretty much a generalist at this moment so i will do like the basic stuff like depression anxiety obsessive compulsive disorder i also mm. do assessments so learning assessments oh, psychoeducational like, assessments ADHD. adhd assessments yeah what made you decide to do this you don't have to talk about it but like is it a long process to decide oh you know this person might be adhd or yeah it's pretty long yeah yeah there's a lot that goes into it um you know interviews and then you get collateral information maybe you get I love to have access to like school records to see how the person was functioning in school or is functioning in school because I do ADHD assessments across a lifespan, so children and adults, huh. adolescents. Like, okay, wait. So let's say I'm like, oh man, man, my brain is always ding, ding, ding. And then I want to do it. What do I have to do? Do I have to go and get all my results from school and stuff like that? or? Well, depends how the person you're working with is working i i like when the person has access to their school records i like to have them mm -hmm. but it happens that they don't have them especially if they're adults like in their 30s 40s maybe they, they don't have access to high school or elementary school re report cards anymore mm -hmm. um but you know you would you would get information um from how they function at work from how they function at home you would ask other people in their lives like a, a work supervisor or a, a spouse to fill out questionnaires for you they would fill questionnaire for you. Um, and then there's a whole like testing phase also when where they come in person and we do a couple of tests together um, by, that tap like cognitive functions that are associated with ADHD so I can get a good understanding of how the person's brain might work. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, it's a lot of like putting all of these puzzle pieces together to oh, make an interpretation. They don't put the thing on their head too. No. Oh, okay. no, 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 no. Yeah. All right, right. Yeah. So, um, the, and then if and, that's the, oh, yes, you have it, what happens? Yeah. So, after everything is done, I meet with the person again, and then we go over all of the results of everything we've done together. And if there's a diagnosis to make, I make the diagnosis. If there's no diagnosis, I don't make a diagnosis. If there is, what options? So, you just start taking medicine or no i'm not so psychologists are not medical practitioners oh yeah so we're not allowed oh man there's so many layers to this i know thing. that's what i mean like it's really complex and people don't always know hmm. um, but psychologists are not allowed to prescribe medication what we would do is like make a section of recommendations and then if if there was an interest for the person to maybe pursue medication the recommendation i would make is just have a conversation with your medical practitioner that's it. Like that's the extent of what I'm gonna say because mm. I can't, 
you know, suggest or recommend medication. That is not my, I have to stay in my lane, essentially. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Don't. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, you said you found this thing, you love about it, but you love helping people. Is that the only reason why you're doing it? Um, I think I'm also, I'm somebody who's really curious, and this is a profession that allows me to cultivate that because you're never done learning. You're always learning. You're not done. No, you're never like, done. Oh, I know everything. I'm good. Bye bye. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's absolutely not it. <laughs> you still have to do all the books and oh my god. Yeah. Oh yeah. So um, is that why most of those people always write books and stuff? Like um, you mean psychology? Psych yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I don't. In my own circle, I don't know anybody who's written a book. No, well, not like. Research, sorry. Oh, research. I call it books. I mean, yeah. it's 150 pages. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well be a book, eh? Yeah. Yeah. I think it depends on the interest of the person. Oh. I'm going to keep a foot in research because I love research. And then I have another person in my cohort that I know will keep a foot in research. But the other three have no interest in I'm pursuing done. research. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's important to have that understanding because we, we work under a scientist practitioner model. We have to be good consumers of research. We have to understand scientific research really well. Right. Um, especially because just because it was right yesterday doesn't mean it's going to be right today. Exactly. And and psychologists are legally allowed to make diagnosis. So it's important that we're always up to date with, you know, the new research that comes out and that our practice is always informed by evidence. Um, and, you know, to have a really good understanding of, of statistics and prevalence and incidence rate. So we we have all of this kind of background knowledge when we go and make a diagnosis for somebody, right? Mm. Huh. The stakes are really high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, talking of stakes being high, there's this, you know, I, I guess I read and watch too many. <laughs> but... This is is a film, but it's based on like real life. Okay, which one is it? I can't remember, but anyway, so this this I guess is a psychologist was researching psychopaths, and apparently you're just born that way. Huh. Um, like you know, it's like thing in your brain. So yeah, yeah. Like there's a part of your brain, the front one is supposed to make you like no, don't do that, and the back yeah. one is supposed to be like do that, and then in a normal person, the the they kind of balance each other out. Uh -huh. But, like, with the psychopaths, they don't. It's like, fuck, I'm going to do it. And I'm like, how, like, how do they even find this thing out? Yeah. I... Lots of research. God damn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Psychopathy is not my area of expertise, so I, I can't. Oh, that's like, a whole nother thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know nothing about psychopathy. Like, Oh, my no. God. <laughs> Oh, you know, I just think you guys that read so much books, you have all the not Oh, yeah. I know this thing. So the thing with, okay, I'll tell you a little secret about academics is we're really, really knowledgeable in one tiny area. Right, right, <laughs> like, right, right. As soon as you reach out of that, you're like, I don't, I don't know. know <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, it was an interesting thing. So, okay, that's not your field now. Yeah. So being, you know black and um finding out i guess this huge gap between you finding out that wait there's even no research on how like how do you navigate it and like does being a black woman in your field like is there is that a positive or negative like are there struggles you have to face being a black woman in what yeah. you're doing 
I, I want to say that there's a lot more research now that is out. There's a lot of Canadian research that's out now compared to three years ago. Just in the span of three years, there's a lot that's been produced. Um, and for the challenges, yes, there are definitely challenges. The field obviously is extremely white. Like there's a handful of black psychologists and even black mental health care practitioners. There's, there's only a handful of us. Um, so it can be very isolating. And um, when, when you are somebody that speaks out and challenges status quo, it can be very exhausting. It can be um, worrisome at times too, because you're want, you, like you're worried that you might disrupt something, something yeah. and then lose your job or lose your credibility or you know. Um, but then on the other side of things, I think, you know, for the most part, like the psychologists that I've met as colleagues have been very open-minded and are very, you know, supportive to change being done mm -hmm. mostly. Um, so I do feel like there's that, you know, still that welcoming and that support at the kind of like practicing entry level. But as soon as you're like, yeah, but you know, this, this, this foundational knowledge that this therapy is based on doesn't work for black people. We should scratch everything and rebuild. Mm. <laughs> They're like, oh, well, but there's like 30 years of research that supports oh, this. And, right, right. and this new modality, like it's not well-researched, not well-evidenced. And I'm like, yeah, it's not well-evidenced because, because there's not black scholars that are researching it or because the this research is not being amplified, you know? Um, so it's it's a very fine balancing act, I find. But I'm hoping that by being in this profession and by speaking out and continuing research and, and creating that new knowledge base mm -hmm. with other amazing black academics, um, that things are gonna change. That's like the optimistic. I mean, look part at it. Me. <laughs> Three years ago, there wasn't much, That's but what now, I mean. so exactly. you're, you're, you're doing. Well. Okay, okay. Exactly. I, I'm gonna let you go with this question. You know, okay. you do all these things and. Most of the things is taking care of people and most of the time, how are you taking care of yourself? I am a big outdoors person. So ah. I do a lot of hiking. I love being, you know, by the water. So like all these coastal hikes are really great for me. I have a dog. So zoo therapy, I guess, in a way. <laughs> I'm really well connected with my family and my friends. So I have a good um, support network. And I will say that uh, receiving my ADHD diagnosis has been really life-changing mm. feels like my life has done a 180 and I was suddenly able to understand my brain and understand how it's functioning and receiving the support that I needed mm. like it's night and day with how I function so that's definitely been helpful as well and yeah just being immersed in the community connecting with people like you that's really what makes me um Wow. Vibrate. Yeah. Okay. That, I lied, actually. That wasn't my last one. So this is a real <laughs> last one, though. I love your social media. How do you, you. like, how do you decide which of those videos you reply to? Because some of them you, like, you reply to, but then you also make yours. How do you decide which of those videos you reply to and which one you're going to share on your social media? Yeah, I think it's what I'm interested in, what I have something to say about, what, what I want to research, because I always, you know, research do some research before I make a video because I want to make sure that it's well informed I don't spread misinformation mm -hmm. um, but also when people have really good questions that I think that other people could 
benefit from. I like to reply to those. And um, for which ones I post, it depends. So I have both a TikTok and an Instagram, but Instagram doesn't allow any videos past a minute and a half. So mm. every any videos above a minute and a half doesn't make it to Instagram. <laughs> That's how I choose. <laughs> okay, yeah. okay. Oh man, Noemi, it's always great talking to you. Thank you, you for coming today and for sharing so much about your work. Yeah, thank you for having me, Israel. 